I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. My guest today is Cheryl Lowe. She is a uh, runner cyclist. She runs with the Duke Track Club. She is a 307 marathoner, uh, 127 half marathoner, 40-41 for the 10K, forensic scientist, and a graduate of Texas A&M. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question is, how did you get into running? Um, I grew up playing soccer for years, um, probably over a decade playing soccer in my youth and through high school. Um, and then my sophomore year of high school, my soccer coach at the time, she noticed I was running ahead of the other girls on the team, the two mile, we had a two mile run pretty much every day before practice. And she suggested that I try cross country at the time. I had no idea what cross country was. <laughs> All right, let's give this a shot. And then I just started running with the cross country team and then kind of things took off from there. And then um, my younger sister, she's two years younger than me. I told her about it and uh, she got on the team as well. And then we ended up both excelling in it. Uh, We were both eventually by our junior senior years made varsity and went to regionals and stuff and just enjoyed it. Um, It was just uh, running. I mean, there's this, it's just like an amazing activity that, you know, helps you cope with a lot of things and uh, just enjoyed it and kind of just kept running from there. And yeah, so soccer was my main background. Yeah, that's, you know, I find that typical of a lot of older runners, like getting into it later, either later in life or later kind of in high school because they were doing another sport, you know, initially. That's, that's interesting that the soccer coach kind of was the one that suggested it to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here in New Mexico, we have, we just go from district straight to state. And so growing up in Texas, you know, it's a lot larger. You know, what does it mean to get to regionals in Texas? Uh, so, yeah. So at the end of the season, we had a district meet. Um, it was uh, UIL. And then we had just different districts. And then, yeah, if you advanced in district, then you went on to regionals I, I can't remember how many regions there are in texas but uh, regionals for us was in lubbock texas um, and that was uh at may simmons park we went there and ran and and then if you had advanced at regionals uh, then you would go on to state how big was your region i cannot remember <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty big i know it's growing up in the dallas fort worth metroplex it was a pretty competitive area of the district itself there were a lot of really good teams that my school Burleson High School uh, our cross-country team competed against uh, Plano I remember Richardson there is a um, Capel uh, a lot of the teams that outside of the Dallas area <laughs> yeah that, that's cool I, I know I have a cousin who's in um, Texas and and when he was running he he ran the 800 400 um, down to the 200 and I know he would talk about it sometimes just how tough it was especially during track because he did 
I believe football in the during the fall and just how tough it was just to get to state to get out of regionals because it was mm-hmm. so difficult the competition was was so high and um but sometimes that's a good thing because the more competition you have then it pushes everybody that much uh to to do that much better yes yeah obviously you you had some success you were enjoying it and you ended up at at Texas A&M and yes yeah and so did you go there wanting to walk on did you look at other schools that you could run at or were you focused on I know what I want to do for school and this is going to offer that like what was your thought process with that I looked into several colleges before I committed to Texas A&M. I originally had wanted to go to Baylor University and study forensic science there and try to walk on the team there. I also looked into West Point at one point (laughs) uh, and seeing what I could do there. And I also considered a small school in Iowa called Briarcliff University and actually had um, some scholarship offers there for to join their soccer and cross-country track teams. Um, but I decided to go with Texas A&M. My grandfather went there, two uncles went there, my mom went there. It was just, yeah, familiar area and it was just, uh, yeah, I ended up enjoying it and decided to try to walk on uh, my freshman year and my sophomore year tried out two years in a row, almost made it my sophomore year, uh, but it was a week of tryouts and it was kind of hard. You know, it's like at the beginning of the semester, you're already under a lot of stress and stuff and then just adjusting to everything. Uh, so I don't know if like a week was long enough, but yeah, I didn't end up making the team. That's okay. You know, it it was hard for a little while, but then I accepted it and ended up pursuing other things at Texas A&M. Ended up joining the cycling team and did some workouts with the triathlon team and some races with them. And then I also ended up kind of starting leading group runs with the Texas A&M Roadrunners. And it was our intramural running club. And my, by my senior year, I was president of that. And then I also coached the marathon program there as well for a year or two. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's quite a bit to um, put your energy behind while you're trying to get your degree and, you know, like you said, I'm sure it was it was tough to to not make the team, but it seems like you did a lot for the running and for yourself, but then mm-hmm. helping kind of give back with some of the coaching and things like that, which is really kind of cool. You know, I know, like you said, it's, you know, you only had a week and stuff. Were you able to run with any of the people who were on the team prior to kind of get to like up to their speed or was it all just kind of on your own leading up to that kind of trial right so the summer before i think yeah tryouts were in august but right before the semester started it was pretty much on your own but i know that at least the second year that i tried to walk on that week um i was like i was hoping i was going to make it that time and actually there were a few other women on the team they're like you're going to make it this time i was like keeping up with some of the fastest women on the team that week and then it came down to one day, it was a Friday, it was a four mile out and back time trial on a dirt road. And I just like didn't have a good day, uh, just went out too fast. Uh, I think I went sub six on the first mile and just blew up. Oh. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then it was like, I don't know if that was the decision factor there or what, but you know, I, I understand the coach, you know, it was a difficult, I mean, it's a division one team trying to make and you know if, if you can't perform when your coach asks you to on a 
that day, then, you know, it can, it can be pretty intense. <laughs> right. And how did you get involved with, with cycling as well? Is that something mm -hmm. you had always kind of done or, or how did you end up picking that up? Yeah, I just, um, I lived on campus at Texas A&M all four years and then I ended up moving to a dorm hall kind of towards the center of campus and it was near the academic building and there was a flagpole there that is kind of well-known area. Um, there's a lot of traditions at Texas A&M. One of them is, for example, is called Silver Taps and that's where um, every Tuesday night, the Corps of Cadets, they actually lead a, a memorial service for all the, te the Texas Aggies that have passed away in that last month or so, I think it was once a month. And, uh, and then, yeah, there were other meetups at that certain area too, because like I said, it was the center of campus. And then I started seeing a lot of people on bikes show up kind of near my dorm hall. And I was like, oh, what's this? And I looked in the cycling team and um, I just decided to start out you know see what I could do with it because I enjoyed riding fast on my bike I started out with them on a hundred dollar mongoose bike from Walmart <laughs> trying to keep up with these really fast people on road bikes and then just kind of started enjoying it more and more kept at it and then I upgraded to a steel bike my mom handed down to me that she's had since like the 1980s <laughs> Uh, and then eventually decided to get my own like lighter bike and then yeah just enjoyed spending time a lot of time on the road riding a lot of solo rides uh, they were very therapeutic I'd wake up on a Saturday morning sometimes and just ride by myself I remember from sunrise to sunset all right I'm gonna do this ride as far as I can 80 miles do it <laughs> wow you know I know a lot of runners you know will use cycling kind of as as cross training What's similar to running for you with, with cycling and, and what is, you know, different, especially like, you know, being on a team, I can't imagine what it, like, I, I have no experience with that. So I can't imagine what, it, what it's like to be on a cycling team. Cause mm -hmm. I know strategies can be so different too. Right. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the cycling, you know, there were things that kind of carried over into running for me uh, as far as just uh, the feeling, the endorphin rush, as far as riding fast and getting your heart rate up. And yeah, it's, uh, and then, but the team dynamic was a little bit different. And uh, it was actually, I felt beneficial for me uh, just in general, just because it was a whole different ball game versus uh, running where you actually have to work together with drafting and stuff and pace lines and working in a pack and taking turns and, you know, making sure that if you're going to keep up with this pack, you better grab onto somebody's wheel and uh, kind of keep up because otherwise you can be dropped. And we had various group rides. Some of them were, you know, casual. We're not going to drop anybody. And there were some particularly challenging rides there on uh, Tuesdays. I remember those were the all out go fast and if you get dropped you're on your own <laughs> wow. it's a little different from running so you know running it's like yeah like you know you can wait up for somebody or whatever and it's uh yeah it's just it's different <laughs> oh I, I mean absolutely I can't even it's funny I, I'll occasionally um during the summer ride my bike to to work when I when I do summer school and going to work is all uphill and I hate it unless like <laughs> for mm -hmm. me it's like I'd much rather run up a hill than to bike up it yeah and so you know I can't imagine you know doing doing some of those higher climbs on a bike and and just you know those your quads and your calves and everything just burning for 
you know, an extended period of time. And then especially if you're in a group and you get dropped and you're doing it by yourself, it just that seems worse than any run I can imagine. <laughs> I do feel like, yeah, cycling though has its, you know, benefits and I need to take a break from running like I am now with a knee injury. It's still like keeping me moving. It's strengthening a lot of like muscles and stuff I normally wouldn't use for running uh, that might be beneficial to my running. Uh, it's not impact. And I also do feel like riding at like a higher cadence also helps my turnover for running. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, the, the strength things were all things I thought about, but I never thought about the, the cadence aspect of that and, and that turnover. That's not something, I mean, and I obviously don't do it often enough, but it's not something that would have just come to my mind. That's, that's really kind of a, a cool thought. <laughs> yeah, I'm not an expert on this, but I, I do feel that in, that in my experience, at least, it's helped fire those neuromuscular connections as far as the getting the legs moving for, yeah, running or riding in general. So. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> so how did you end up in the, uh, the running club on campus, the, the Roadrunners? Yeah, I, so like I was really, I've always been just, my passion is running and groups and everything and finding um, connections and running groups and stuff. And then I, I just, just started looking online on their web, the school's website and looked at various clubs and just made sure to reach whoever was in charge of that club and find out when group runs were and start showing up. And then the rest was history. I have some really great friendships from that club that have lasted till now currently just you know you connect with somebody on a whole different level when you go run with them and stuff and just really enjoyed my time there i i completely agree with that you know just that opportunity especially on those long runs when you're just you've got miles and miles and you're just right next to someone and and chatting with them and you know if it's someone you don't know you're learning their life story and if it's someone you know, you get you're catching up for the week or the day, or right. decompressing about whatever while you're just kind of, you know, just getting in shape. It just I don't know. I I it, it feels so good. <laughs> yeah, and we went on some really great trips too as a as a group. Uh, we'd take like an annual trip to a race sometimes out of state we would get rental cars and you know share hotels together and stuff and that go to uh the crescent city classic 10k for example we did that in new orleans and that was always a fun trip or we'd go to san antonio and do a race there and yeah just lots of good times and it was just nice to go with a group and support each other you know regardless of the race went well or not so <laughs> yeah when did you decide that, you know, your senior year, you were going to go ahead and, and take over the, be in charge, be the president of it? Was that something you had thought about before? Or was it kind of, they need someone and I'm going to do it? Yeah, a little bit of both. I just, I started like, just growing um, through that running club. And I definitely felt like it helped me come out of my shell a little bit and grow in confidence and stuff. And like, it just always put a smile on my face. And it was something that I dedicated a lot of my time to and just really wanted to see like how I could help out with it as far as um, organizing trips. And we also put on an annual 10K race at Messina Hoff Winery in Bryan. And that was really cool just to get that experience behind the scenes as far as organizing everything from reserving porta potties to, you know, the chip timing and everything. So uh, there's a lot that goes into it and it was very humbling and it was, uh, 
definitely a good experience. It makes me now appreciate like how much goes into a road race. You think it's so simple, you know, it's like, Oh, just show up on a starting line in a road on a on a, on a road and just start running. And there's so much more that goes into it. So. <laughs> I, you know, through doing this and I've talked to a couple of race directors and it is, you know, especially, well, I, I don't think that it's easier doing it on the trails or the, or the road. They both seem to have their own, challenges if you're on the trail you've got to make sure that you've got the signs and markers and make sure everybody knows where they're going if you're on the road you've got to probably coordinate you know to make sure that the roads are closed to traffic and and all those things it, the more i've talked to people the more it sounds like something i do not want to do <laughs> yeah and it's a learning curve too i mean i've made mistakes there was like one time I was the lead cyclist in the same race and I went the wrong way and misled some of the first few runners of the wrong road. And I had realized it uh, and I was like, this doesn't look right. And I saw like a random mound of dirt on the road. And it's like, I think I'm just going to turn around here. <laughs> and as soon as I stopped and turned around, uh, some of the lead guys uh, that were in front, they're just like waving their arms at me, like really upset and really mad, understandably so. And uh, that was also a very humbling experience. I, you know, I misled them for a little bit. It was like, it was like less than a mile and I got, I fixed it, turned around, got on the right road and everything. And luckily the chip timing company uh, that was working with the race were able to make some adjustments and on that. Most people were very positive about it. It's like, well, I accidentally, you know, ran a little bit further. It's a beautiful day, you know, whatever. But I was, it was, I was pretty upset. <laughs> I can imagine but. that had to have been, like you said, just, I'm, I'm sure it was, your heart was pounding and just like, oh no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I feel for you. Cause I can, <laughs> I don't think anybody would want to be in that position, but like you said, I think, you know, thankfully most runners and cyclists are, are pretty understanding, you know, with that stuff. And, you know, and again, if the chip company is able to help correct some of that, that's, that's pretty awesome as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so how did you get involved with doing a marathon training program? Were you, had you run a marathon at that point? Or were you just kind of taking what you knew from running and, and using other resources to help you? Yeah, so a little bit of both. I had run one marathon before. It was a, my first marathon was a 2006 Chevron Houston Marathon. I just barely broke four hours at the time. I think it was a 3.57, and yeah, I was just doing a bunch of other road races and stuff, and then the opportunity came up through actually some people that I knew through the same running club at A&M, and I uh, had an offer to help coach with it with a, a friend, and I was like, all right, we'll see what happens with this, and that was a lot too. Um, I had to organize PowerPoint presentations to give to the class. I had to fill up the water jugs every morning and put out tables and stuff with the water and plan routes for everybody for their long runs every weekend. Uh, it was, uh, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of work, um, on top of pursuing a double major. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that was going to be my next question. How did you manage? So obviously you're doing a double major, like you just said, but you know, you're president of the running club, you were coaching the, the marathon, 
uh, I'm assuming you were still with the cycling club at that time as well. Yep. Uh, how did you pack all of that in? That just seems like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, living on campus helped a lot because uh, it was nice. I was spoiled. I was like, I was central to everything. I could walk out of my dorm room be on the run, meet somebody for a run, meet somebody for a ride and just be already there, you know, just ride or run across campus and, and just get it done. Uh, pulled a lot of all-nighters studying for organic chemistry and physics and everything else. And uh, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> Looking back on it, <laughs> you know, I think I definitely, there was part of me that was probably maybe just over-functioning and overdoing things at the time. I was think I was escaping a lot of things and distracting myself from maybe sitting with some truths for personally and just kind of, I don't know, just growing up and kind of, I think I was just distracting myself a lot, but it was a good, good distraction. <laughs> I was productive, but yeah, I was able to, you know, graduate in four years with uh, biomedical science and entomology degrees, uh, and then also do some other club stuff on the side and coaching, running, and cycling. <laughs> That's, you know, like you said, it, you, you may have, you're probably overdoing it and, and trying to avoid some things, but at the same time, I think it's a reason so many of us do try to stay fit is it's not necessarily about the fitness, the, the physical well-being. I mean, that's part of it, but that mental well-being that you get from, you know, doing those exercises, being out there, whether it's with a group or on your own, running, cycling, whatever it is, and, and having that time to to decompress. And so how much of that do you think even though you were extremely busy and extremely <laughs> overworked, how much did, you know, being able to have all those outlets help you kind of to decompress some of those things as well? Yeah, it did, did help a lot. Um, you know, I've a lot of solo runs, a lot of group runs, but it was mainly those solo runs that, you know, helped me kind of process things. That was like my me time. Um, it was just time to like really, you know, think about kind of, what I was doing with my life, what direction I wanted to go, um, and kind of just work through a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. And so that direction you wanted to go took you to New Mexico. Yes. Right. <laughs> and so why, why New Mexico? Was it just, you had a job offer or, or was there something else that kind of brought you here? So after Texas A&M, I pursued a master's degree in forensic genetics at University of North Texas Health Science Center in Fort Worth. Uh, there's a two-year program. At the end of that program, I had to do a, like a practicum report, kind of like a thesis um, for working at a forensic laboratory and kind of writing on that experience, validating something um, in that lab so that it can be used in forensic casework. So um, I came to Las Cruces in the summer of 2009 for two months uh, and to pursue that internship opportunity uh, for, to finish my graduate degree. Uh, and then I, yeah, I just love New Mexico. I uh, just love the Oregon Mountains. I was in Las Cruces at the time. And yeah, I just ended up getting the job where I interned later on. The opportunity came up, I applied, and they had already known me from the internship. And 
I moved to New Mexico full time in early spring of 2010, and been here since. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> and yeah. have you stayed as busy? Your college years were really <laughs> packed full of uh, of things. Um, obviously, you know you're still running, you're cycling. I'm assuming that things slowed down a little bit for you, though. <laughs> a little bit. Grad school was busy, too. I didn't talk about that yet. That's right. Yeah, I didn't ask about that. So what, what were you involved with with grad school? <laughs> so yeah, the forensic genetics master's program was pretty intense. Uh, it, was, it was pretty hard. Uh, my running kind of did take a back burner a little bit. Uh, I still try to do some cycling in the Fort Worth area and stuff, but I was also working two part-time jobs in the running community as well. I was maintaining that balance between science and running still. Uh, I was working at a, a small retail store called Fort Worth Running Company, as well as um, the Cowtown Marathon. I worked for them for a little bit in Fort Worth. I was in their office uh, kind of doing just like background stuff, administrative type stuff. Uh, and yeah, it was, that was fun too. <laughs> <laughs> So I have to add, you, you, were in, you were in Fort Worth and you were at College Station and I don't really know about College Station too much, but I know Fort Worth is muggy. Like, yes, <laughs> it is, so is College Station. <laughs> okay, so okay, so you're two places that are pretty, like, that humidity is tough. And mm -hmm. so was it a little bit kind of nice to come someplace that wasn't quite so humid at first <laughs> yes yeah the altitude was a little bit of an adjustment i remember my first few weeks in new mexico just trying to finish a run and having this dry feeling at the back of my throat i was like oh man what's this <laughs> uh but yeah it's uh it's been great i i love new mexico i just i love the scenery and the mountains the sunsets like this is not there's nothing like it. Uh, I felt like as soon as I moved out here and anytime I go further west, I feel like I'm kind of like the happier and more peace that I'm at. So kind of getting out of the mugginess and out of the um, concrete jungle, I feel like uh, just growing up in yeah, a busy metropolitan area, a lot of traffic, a lot of uh, just not really the same views, not the same clouds, not the same mountains. <laughs> right. And the air is a little bit cleaner, I'm sure. And it wasn't yeah. this then, <laughs> at least. <laughs> yeah. See, so obviously, you continued your your running, and we've talked about that. Did Did you continue doing any uh, cycling races as well? When I first moved to New Mexico, I tried to um, to keep up with that and see what I could do. Uh, but I kind of uh, I don't know if I got burnt out, or I think I also had a bad cycling crash uh, my senior year in college and I had even in grad school I had a hard time riding fast again I'm just being confident on the bike I did enter into a few races when I first moved to New Mexico I did a, a I think it was called the Roadrunner class or no Roadrunner classic in Albuquerque I think it was in 2010 I did that and I did another race in West Texas called the Fort Davis Hammerfest, and I tried that for like the mountain stage and the time trial, but I was too exhausted after that Saturday of racing to do the Sunday race, and uh, I think it just got a little bit overconfident in what I thought I could handle at the time um, athletically, and I was just not in the right 
I don't know if I was not in shape to do it. I just, it was also, I just moved to New Mexico and it was a major life transition and stuff. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you, you know, like we talked about, you've done some 10 Ks, you've done some half marathons, you've done some marathons. I'm assuming you've done some five Ks probably here and there too. Yes. And, and so do you have a favorite distance right now in, in your runs for racing? Probably the half. Uh, I really enjoy that distance. It's kind of just long enough, but just short enough too, that you can recover from it within a reasonable time frame. And uh, I do enjoy the marathon and pursuing some goals in there. Uh, as far as eventually breaking three hours, uh, that's kind of been the goal since like 2018 or so. I came close at California International Marathon last December. I ran a 307 feel like I could keep inching closer as long as I'm healthy and everything and then but then the pandemic happened and that, that right. kind of changed the climate a little bit with races but <laughs> yeah so you talked about uh, a knee injury that you're dealing with right now and you know mentioning obviously there's not really many races happening and you know is that kind of helping you maybe take more time for the knee knowing that you don't have anything on the horizon? Yeah, um, and it's definitely helped force me kind of to shift my, like, my focus on um, other things in life, and it's been good. It's, I mean, I've been through knee injuries before on um, both knees since pretty much as soon as I entered my 30s. I felt like my knees were starting to get cranky, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, I think it was a welcome break as much as I was initially a little bit upset about it. I mean, yeah, you get so used to running and then it's like a hard stop and you're like, Oh man, this is kind of hard, you know, not having this thing in my life anymore. But, uh, at the same time, it was also welcome. I felt like it's been a really hard year. Um, and it, again, this hard stop to my running has forced me to sit still and think on things and not just, um, use running as an escape. <laughs> you know, I think that's um, a balance that is, that's hard. You know, it's so much of a decompressor and a time to kind of process things when you're out on those long runs or even a workout. But at the same time, it is an escape as well. And so trying to manage between... <laughs> Right. How you're using it is, um, is, can be difficult. And so, you know, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. I think that's an important note to kind of um, keep in mind for, for everybody as well. And there's like, there's a control aspect to it as well. You know, it's like when everything else in your life might feel like it's out of control, it's like that one thing you feel like you can control. And sometimes, again, it's a balance. Um, it's nice to have that control in your life, but at the same time, it's okay to release that control when there's this other external factors that might be impacting your running in a way that it's not mentally healthy. Uh, and just knowing that, uh, again, sitting down, slowing down, and knowing that it's not everything, it's not the end of the world if you can't run, and it's not tied into your self-worth and your identity and who you are and uh, came to that realization too several times. I know every injury is humbling in that way, but it's a good thing and it's an opportunity for growth. And it's just knowing that 
I'm more than just a runner, you know, <laughs> Cheryl. And my relationships with um, others and myself should not be just set on just that. <laughs> that is, a, that is a, a great insight. And I think it's something that not just runners struggled with, struggle with. I think it's something that is very universal with athletes, um, especially, you know, coming out of high school when you identify so much as, as your sport. And, um, and, and again, I'm sure you kind of went through it when you didn't make that the team for A&M and being tight. Well, I'm a runner. I should be on the team. I should be in, I think a lot of us have gone through that, whether, again, it comes after high school, it comes after college, it comes through an injury, and it is a, it is a hard, it can be so tied to us, um, like you said, but especially when you have, you know, all of your friends, all of your community <laughs> is tied around it, and, and all of a sudden, it's, it's not there, it's not the same, it can be a hard break to have, and, and, and something to realize. And so I think, you know, what you're saying is important for a lot of runners to kind of keep in mind that, you know, running isn't everything. It's amazing. It's awesome, but it's not, it doesn't define everything about you. Right. And there's been, you know, several things and I'm not just in my own personal life that have happened last year, but then also, yeah, the pandemic, you know, back in January, like New Year's Day, we all had New Year's resolutions. So maybe some people had r certain running goals. I'm going to hit this mileage for the year or I'm going to do this race and I'm going to run this time and stuff. And then things happen that were outside of our control, unprecedented times. And it's okay to like take a step back and reevaluate those goals and kind of focus on, again, like what brings you joy. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a hard set time or mileage for that year, you know, just getting outside and enjoying time with friends and in the sunlight and stuff and just enjoying being healthy and being able to breathe and um, sitting with that joy. And yeah, so yeah, it's just like refocusing of goals is a good thing. Um, and uh, not being so much in control that, you know, allowing that some grace and compassion, self-compassion um, to readjust things and not be so hard on yourself. So what is your, your goal right now, since you've taken this time to kind of reassess and, you know, I know obviously you, you talked about wanting to break three hours in the marathon. We had talked before and getting a sub 40 minute 10 K, but do you have any other goals that you're kind of like taking this time to, this is what I'm going to kind of work on. Yeah, so I thought about it, and um, I, I feel like I need to rebuild myself from the ground up. I, you know, I realized that, you know, even though I was still running a lot throughout the summer and everything, there were some, like, unhealthy habits I was doing. I was not really balancing my running out with um, strength training and prehab stuff. Uh, and I, you know, I was just, like, running, 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 running myself into the ground, it felt like, um, just going for a lot of easy runs and stuff, and then... I realized that, okay, boy, I have this knee injury, look into the possible causes of it. You know, I do feel like there were some strength training uh, mishaps or the lack of uh, and muscle imbalances and stuff. And how can I just start from the ground up and uh, rebuild and then use this time since there's not really any races going on to just focus on that forward growth um, and make some changes as far as um, 
not only strength training for my body, but my mind as well. And I think that's something we can all kind of <laughs> work on. I know I definitely need to need to work on some of those myself. And you know, you're you're part of the Duke's Chat Club. <laughs> <laughs> and um, how did you get involved with them? Yeah, so uh, I think it was somewhere around 2013, I believe, I ran a race in Arizona, and I met some people at the finish line. It was the Mountain of Fountain 15K in Fountain Hills, Arizona, and I met Arlene Armijo. Uh, she was got to talking with her, and she just, like, I don't know, it's, like, such a friendly person, and um, I don't know, stayed connected with her through, like, social media and stuff, and then I discovered the Duke's Track Club, I believe, initially through her and her now husband, Jesse Armijo, and uh, kind of just enjoyed, like, what they had going. I liked the, the team aspect and the unity, um, and then also there was a little bit of competitive side to it as well, post-collegiately. Um, they were going to races together. Uh, I believe they also went to cross-country nationals as a team, and uh, it was always something I was like, oh, this looks cool. Let's try this, because I, you know, there's running and there's running in casual groups but then I kind of you know being as goal oriented as I am and process oriented I was like I kind of would like to enjoy a little bit more of the competitive aspect of, of it as well uh, and I was in Las Cruces Las Cruces New Mexico at the time and uh, it was I just asked, I was like, hey, can I have one of these really cool singlets to show up at races at? And uh, I kind of went from there. The rest is history. And I started running uh, races in New Mexico with the jersey. And I just really got like the team aspect and the unity and the, fam the family aspect of it. <laughs> I interviewed Jesse and Arlene, you know, earlier in the podcast. And they don't just talk about family and unity in, in the group. You can really feel it and everything on their social media um, definitely brings people together which is amazing and um, so I definitely see where, you, where you, how you felt about that and, <laughs> and why you would want to join them and obviously there's not a whole lot of group runs happening now you know some people are getting together here and there but you know you recently moved up to Albuquerque do you feel I don't know if excited is the right word but a little kind of happy to be closer to that group of, of runners that you've been attached to kind of from a distance? Yes. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's been a long time coming. I feel like it's always, it's always been not yeah. Also the Duke's track club, but just the environment, the running community here in Albuquerque um, and Santa Fe is a little bit bigger. I did enjoy my time in Las Cruces and enjoy the running club there and the running community, but it's, I don't know. It's just like, it feels good to me. It makes my heart happy. And I just love how everybody helps each other out, um, not only in running, but in other aspects of life. Uh, it's been really great. Yeah. They, everybody, all the runners that I, that I know and, and I'm friends with and, and the ones that I follow, you know, through Instagram, through the running New Mexico page and everything are very close knit, which is, which is awesome. And, and, you know, and it's kind of across through the state. And does it doesn't, I mean, obviously, if you're closer to Albuquerque, more central where there's more runners, it's nicer. But it, it, it is kind of cool to see how, um, how close everybody can be throughout the state, you know, through the social media, especially. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like this team uh, and yeah, Jesse and Arlene in particular have also helped me out quite a bit uh, with my uh, move here to Albuquerque and everything. And they just welcomed me with open arms and I just appreciate everything that they've done for me. Uh, yeah. It's been a hard time. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad that you have that support with them. I want to go back to, to your running for a minute and yeah. you had told me, so you, your PR in the half marathon is a 127, uh, which you got last year at the um, El Paso half marathon, which you you told me you won, right? Yeah. What was that feeling like to win, uh, you know, a half marathon like that? It was awesome. It was like kind of a major breakthrough. I felt like in my running, it was the first like kind of bigger race that I had gotten overall female at in. Um, the El Paso half marathon marathon in particular uh, in the last few years if you're familiar with it um, they actually have you finish in, inside of the El Paso Chihuahuas baseball stadium and it's really neat you finish the whole lap around the outside of the field and you're on the jumbotron and stuff and you've got like people in the stands cheering for you so it was like it was really neat and like, also having a police on the motorcycle escorting me in and like announcing my name it's like Cheryl Serena at, yeah, coming in to the finish and uh, yeah it was, a, it was an awesome feeling um, and to run that time uh, was like I was pretty happy with it and my coach at the time after I'd run it he was happy with it too and that's when he kind of started suggesting um, that maybe I could eventually start shooting for uh, qualifying for the B standard for the Olympic trials and that's still a long-term goal of mine <laughs> I think that's a great goal. And that's, um, I, I had another uh, runner on uh, recently, actually also from Las Cruces, <laughs> or a transplant to Las Cruces, Robbie Berry. And uh, she talked about the same race and just how fun it was that finish to be able to, you know, that's a different experience that you don't normally get at a, at a lot of, a lot of races, you know, you, you're just, you know, street, trail, whatever, there's just a big, maybe inflatable thing and you yeah. come across and hit the chip. But to go through a stadium is always just, um, it just adds another level of, of, of fun to it. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, like I said, it was a great race. Um, and it was, I think it was, that was 2019 was just a great year. That was actually also the same year that I ran two full marathons in the same calendar year, which was a first uh, I'd run Boston, in April of 2019 as well, and I PR'd there before I PR'd at California International later in December of 2019. It was a big year. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, you talked about working, you know, with a coach, and are, are you still working with a coach through this injury right now? Yes. So uh, I now have been since... Uh, May of last year, I started working with um, Jacob Phillips. He's the head cross-country track coach at Dallas Baptist University. Uh, he also coaches a few people, um, such as me, for like, marathon-type stuff on the side. Um, and I still work with him. We communicate with via email once a week. And then I just recently um, hired the Performance Ranch to start helping me out with uh, strength training and some cycling training as well. Oh, that's really cool. And... How beneficial do you find it to work with a coach as opposed to creating your own plans? Yeah, so I've, I've been back and forth on that. You know, I spent a lot of time kind of doing my own thing without a coach. And then I realized I know myself and I know 
I tend to overtrain. I tend to overdo it. I mean, we just talked about my whole college experience. <laughs> so I feel like I do need to have that second voice of reason to tell me, hey, it's okay to take an off day or a week off or, you know, slow it down on this day, depending on how you feel. I do feel like I need to have some sort of second voice to kind of tell me when to slow down in particular um, so that I can recover and run better and faster. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense i think that can be a tough process to go through especially when you you know like you say you you really enjoyed your running you were coaching other people in the marathon like you obviously live and breathe running to an extent <laughs> yeah yeah and, to, and uh it's kind of like do as i say not as i do type thing it's yeah. like you know i was coaching people it's like oh yeah you should recover on this day or slow it down and then here i am like just overdoing it <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, even in my, in my own coaching with with the high schoolers, I sometimes find myself in that same situation where I'm like, "You need to listen to your body. You're, you're saying that you're you're hurting, so it's fine. Take some time off." And meanwhile, if if I'm hurting, like, ah, I'll run through it. It'll be fine. It's not a big deal. I'll get through this run. Tomorrow's an easy day. You know, whatever it is, <laughs> that self talk is right. So much different when you're trying to, um, when you're talking to yourself instead of, you know, coaching somebody else. Yeah. And I think it's also good to have um, a sounding board too for um, talking before, during and after a race experience as well. Uh, you know, I'd be too hard on myself in the past if I was just, again, having that inner dialogue only and kind of gravitating towards a negative if I had a bad day or a bad race. And yeah, just having somebody else to kind of reassess how that race experience went, what I did wrong, what I can fix nutrition-wise, sleep-wise, um, pace-wise, starting out too fast, kind of somebody telling me, it's like, all right, we're going to, you know, just focus on even splits. Okay, negative splits, whatever, you know, um, instead of just kind of doing my own thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can relate to that. <laughs> um. You know, like you said, you just you you've been in Albuquerque here for a little while now. Month, yep. <laughs> month, so yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Are you excited to explore some some different areas to to run and kind of and bike and to have some some new new favorite places? <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I already have a few. Uh, I've been going up in the foothills of the Sandia Mountains. There's tramway. There's a great path there. I just went on a bike ride with a friend, Lauren Quintana, today, and we rode along the um, bike lane today in the, some of the foothills, and that was really fun. And there's the, the running path, I think, along the river near the biopark. It's super flat out and back. I've been out there a few times. And I think what else? I did some trail run. I did a trail run in the foothills as well. Uh, There's a few trailheads. I'm still getting familiar with the area, but definitely like the uh, diversity as far as surfaces to run on and just different terrain and the higher altitude. I really appreciate as well. Yeah, I, I think that we Albuquerque is is pretty blessed with the amount of dirt paths that you can find in the city. You know, there's not a ton, but there's a decent amount. And then being able to go up to the mountains or again, like you said, the bosque, which is pretty flat, you know, out and back one way, however you want to do it, or, or even, um, 
you know, the diversion channel that follows the, the interstate. Um, again, same thing, pretty flat, you know, out and back. So, Oh, it's, it's great for if you need to do a tempo run, for example, and you want to get off the track and it's predictable and yeah, you can just kind of do a mile repeats out there or whatever and uh, feel relatively safe, you know, as far as getting out of traffic as well. And, right. <laughs> you know, obviously you've had some limited experience with the Sandias, but how do they compare with the Oregon mountains so far? Um, yeah, so far, yeah, like I said, it's been pretty limited. I have La Luz and then there's um, a few other trails that I want to do that are on my list uh, to explore. Uh, but the Oregon mountains in particular, from what I remember, were very rocky, uh, especially some of the trails that were at the base of that. There was a Sierra Vista trail. They actually have a trail race um, in March of every year that the Southern New Mexico Trail Alliance puts on. Um, it is just a lot of rocks. <laughs> I think they're a little bit more gravel type uh, here, <laughs> a little bit softer. It depends on where you hit, but yeah, you can definitely find a little bit more worn, maybe is the right word, a little bit more packed down, a little bit more dirt. Yes. And you know, I was, I was thinking, I want to go back real quick to that El Paso, um, yeah. or actually, that was in 2019, not from 2020, right? Yeah, that was 2019. Okay. So what was the last race you were able to get in before everything shut down? It was a, a small 10K in Las Cruces. It was, I think it was called the D, uh, Run With Your Doc. It was, um, it was put on by, I think, a hospital or some uh, doctors that were in Las Cruces and yeah, that was the last one I did. It wasn't a very good race, but I mean, I won overall female, but it was a very small race. So I just, uh, my pace, I just was cramping up pretty bad. Didn't have a, a good day. Just didn't feel it. But. Yeah. So how disappointing was it? Like, what was your next race that got canceled? Um, it was supposed to, I was supposed to run the Austin half marathon. I actually, that was a big deal for me because I was pretty excited. I applied to enter the elite field for the Austin half and I got in and uh, I was really excited about it. Um, and then I also got sick with a really bad cold or something like a week before and just decided to not run it. I just didn't feel like I was at optimum health to race well. And so, and I think that was right around the time when there was talks about COVID and stuff starting. And I also had fears of traveling to a big race and everything. So that was, uh, it was hard to skip out on that race, but it was also neat to be included in, in the elite field uh, as far as applying for it and getting in. <laughs> yeah, that must have been a pretty awesome feeling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How quick was that turnaround from applying and, and, and knowing that you got in? Um, I can't recall. Um, it's probably like a few days or a week or so. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's cool. It must have been a little, uh, just a little anxious waiting on that. Yeah. And I, you know, with that experience and uh, more recently uh, starting to do some larger races and getting that elite bib um, has been kind of an experience. Just, you know, do I belong here? All these other, you know, women are fast, much faster than me and kind of dealing with a little bit of imposter syndrome too. Uh, so that was kind of challenging, but exciting at the same time. You know, we've talked about, you know, your, your injury and working through and kind of thinking about, 
running doesn't define you and that's not all all mm-hmm. you do obviously it took you some time to get to that but what what else has kept you motivated um besides just kind of taking that step away to think about what running means to you i would just say i don't know i just always felt like life is short and you got to go after what makes you happy and uh, whatever that is, you know, what brings you joy and living each day, uh, one day at a time and being, um, grateful for the good things going on, um, despite the setbacks and stuff. That's kind of what keeps me motivated. And especially this past year, uh, I lost my dad to stage four lung cancer in April. Um, and kind of just seeing his, um, experience, um, prior to that and during, uh, between the time of his diagnosis and his death and um, and then also COVID and this year, kind of just refocusing things again on life is short, mortality, um, and you just, you got to go after your goals and your dreams. Um, you know, I, I just don't want to live within, with any regrets. <laughs> I think uh, that's something that most people go through at some point and, and it's a, it's a hard, but I think a, a well-learned kind of realization. And so, yeah, sorry, sorry about you, for your loss with your dad. And I'm sure that was, that was difficult. It was hard too, cause it was in April and I, I, I couldn't travel to go see him before he passed. Um, and then, you know, it was, it was hard yeah, to be away from him. But again, it just, it really um, kind of just, made me think on a lot of things and just seeing, observing kind of how he um, lived his life in the recent years. Um, he may, I don't know, for several reasons, he just never really went on trips, kind of just, you know, sat at home all day, every day. Um, and even though, even when he knew he didn't have that much time left, he just didn't really want to get out and do things while, you know, with that time. And, I don't know. I just, it was hard for me to see that. But again, it was like, you know, there was his choice. Um, and I realized that I wanted to go and see and travel and meet everybody I can and love everybody that I can while I can. <laughs> That's, um, it sounds like you, you obviously took a lot from that. That's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a, it's, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. Just, it's, you know, we've all, we've all been through, through watching someone hurt like that. And we all take our, our lessons from it. And sometimes we learn quickly and sometimes we don't. And, um, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, I, every, every once in a while I go back to, you know, there's, I, I don't remember, have them memorized off the top of my head, but there's that, you know, commonly known list of the, the top five regrets of the dying. And I just, I don't want to go there. You know, <laughs> I want to tell, you know, my truth and, you know, even if it's hard and tell people, you know, how I feel and stuff. And, uh, cause I just don't, don't want to hide that and don't want to just live with not saying anything we're so, <laughs> <or> doing. <laughs> right. Right. I, I think that's, that's a, a, a great way to think. And, I think that's a, this is a good place to, to wrap up for, for yep. you know, I do have one last question and, you know, it's what I ask everybody and 
I'm, I'm curious about yours because uh, you are always posting uh, different music that you're listening to on Instagram. Yeah. And so what is, uh, what song is kind of your go-to right now for kind of getting pumped, getting moving, getting out that door if you need it or middle of workout, whatever? <laughs> um, I really like Muse. They're probably one of my favorite bands for like the last decade or so. <laughs> I saw them in concert in Las Vegas um, last year and that was really cool. But um, yeah, Survival by Muse is a good one. Um, the Dark Side, I really like that one. Um, Foo Fighters, uh, like there's a lot of great stuff from them. Um, yeah. Run, for example. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Sia, uh, Bird Set Free, that's a good one too. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Queen, a lot of Queen. <laughs> you can't go wrong can't with go Queen. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, and then there, of course there's Eye of the Tiger, Survivor, classic. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I, I, yeah. Really appreciated this talk. I appreciated your time. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Yeah, I just, whatever the rest of this year brings for, for me and everybody else, I just, I hope that, you know, we can all find gratitude and peace and friendship and everything and just kind of grow together through this and this really hard times. It's, I mean, life is always uncertain, but it's especially uncertain now and just kind of. I really hope the best for everybody and just wish you nothing but the best and to go after your goals, whatever they be, even if they may be changing and um, just take one day at a time. That's all we can do. Thank you for taking the time to join me today. If you can, please rate and review, but most importantly, spread the word so we can grow this community. If you know of any runners that deserve a shout out or should be interviewed, or you just want to share your runs and connect with other people, use the hashtag RunningNM on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow me at RunningNM on both these platforms. If you prefer to reach out by email, you can find me at RunningNewMexico at gmail.com. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud under DJ Teach. And until next time, keep running, New Mexico.